My compadre, mi amigo, mi amor, what is up with you and your life and your hour? This is the moment, the time, this is the greatest voice podcast. Shout out to every single soul that is listening to me, that is partaking in this cup, this grapefruit of beauty and wonderful content that is recorded by I, your divine, your sovereign, your prince, your friend, your comrade, your next door neighbor who happens to have a very, 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 very obscene and very unhealthy love for semi-sweet chocolate chips particularly the Nestle brand. What is going on with you? We shall commence this podcast as we have commenced every single podcast with a quote to a song, to a ballad, to a melody that really did have me in my feels as I woke at 5.30 in the morning and left my mother's house to return to my own home of residence, my own place. Yes, I have my own place. I'm independent. I'm a strong, independent black woman. (laughs) And I'm doing my thing. We shall commence this podcast with a quote to the song, Are You In or Out? Sung by Jerry, last name is unpronounceable for me. And it is the song from the the third Aladdin movie, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Um, the character that he played, I think his name was, um, I forgot his name. It wasn't Kasim, it was, uh, I forgot his name. But he was singing to the 40 Thieves, or was left of the 40 Thieves after the palace guards came and sent all them dudes to the San Quentin, to the Arabic version of San Quentin. And there was a line in the song, Are You Right Now, where they said, But we shall reclaim our winnings, our humble beginnings, in turmoil and torture we trust. Now, truth be told, I have no idea how those words apply to my life. But uh, <laughs> I just thought about those words because um, when I went to the theater today to go see Detective Pikachu, which we shall have a conversation about at the tail end of this podcast. After I was leaving the theater in Lodi, I stopped at this nutrition center and bought some aloe vera hair hairspray for my hair, aloe vera spray for my hair, and some aloe vera gel for my skin to keep my skin all chocolatey and smooth, and my hair so curly and nappy and chocolatey and black. And um, uh, the people who were working at the the front, the cashiers, and this dude who was selling vitamins, you know, we had a conversation. I ended up talking to him about my podcast. Ended up talking about my recent appearance on TV at Good Day Sacramento, and. The lady just gave me such, the lady, Christian lady, religious lady, she gave me just these words that I needed to hear today about just uplift and dedication and pursuing your passion and God has a plan for me and all of this. And then within 10 minutes of me leaving there, my auntie hit me up on Facebook Messenger and she told me to call her and I picked up and she was like, you know, I just want to let you know, I don't know why God put this on my heart, but I just want to let you know that you have a divine purpose. You have something waiting for you. No matter how hard it seems, you have to keep going. You have to keep moving. There's something out there waiting for you. And I was like, man, auntie, that is so odd that you called me within seven minutes leaving this nutrition center because the lady who's working as a cashier there, she just had the same words more or less for me. <clears throat> and my auntie was like, you know what that means? That, that's God. That's divine intervention. That means God's trying to sell you something. That means that God's trying to tell you, tell you, uh, Oh my God. Okay, man. I'm about to cry, bro. Okay, so speaking of which, while I'm recording my podcast, so I've recently I've been doing this thing on um recently I've been doing this thing on Instagram where I'm on on uh Twitter where I'm doing voice voiceovers for four to five dollars. And man, I just got two orders in right now while talking to you guys, man. I'm just I wanna cry, man. I'm so happy about that, man. Just shout out to all of you guys who are supporting my dream, who are you know Booking me for these voiceover reads, man. Um, I'm promising you guys to to do a good job for you, man. I'm just this is this is um, I I just want to cry, man. Like y'all don't even know. Um. Um. Anyway, so back to what I was saying. 
So um yeah, she just you know that um that meant a lot. That meant a lot to me, man. So shout out to my auntie, shout out to that nice lady who worked at the nutrition store in Lodi. If I knew her name, I would I forgot her name, but I I, I told she told me her name, but she's the lady. If you guys go to that nutrition store in Lodi, she's very beautiful, um very beautiful older lady. Green eyes, curly hair, very nice lady. Show us some love from the Greatest Voice Podcast. Now, this conversation that we are about to have in the podcast. Um, so, how can I begin this? This is kind of out of touch with what's going on right now. You know, usually in this podcast, we commence about topics that are Within two to three days, relevant revel, <laughs> relevance of the news. I wanted to talk about being offended by certain comments, being offended by statements, people taking things sensitive. I feel like nowadays we're in the day and age where everybody wants to be offended because it's trendy. Everybody wants to be offended and make everybody wants to play the victim nowadays because it's trendy. It's a perfect way for you to get a seat on Jimmy Kimmel's couch. It's a perfect way for you to get in the master class with Oprah. It's a perfect way for you to search. You know, it's, it's a certain cachet in being a victim nowadays. And for the longest time, I've always been on the opposite on the opposite side of that. I've always been in. I've always been an opponent of people who are too sensitive. Because growing up, I was always the guy who went too far with jokes and people would get offended. I would make a joke and somebody would get mad. Whether I would make a sexual joke, someone would get mad. I would make this, like, people always got mad at me because I would express jokes and they would just get so irritated and just so frustrated with me. And what I always said was, you know, you can't, you, you, people just can't be so sensitive about everything. And that's not to say that I have. Iron shell to negative comments towards me or negative attitudes toward me. Just right now, if you're on my Snapchat or my Instagram, I put up a, a poll to ask people: Is it really truly difficult to understand me when I speak? When I speak English, because <clears throat> when you go on Twitter, there's so many people who comment and let me know, man, it's hard to understand you. You are so inaudible. Like I can't understand nothing you say. You sound. Like, one dude told me on Twitter, you sound like Mushmouth from the Cosby Show. For those of you guys who actually were born after 1983, that nobody understands what that means. Which I ain't, I'm I, I'm a 90s baby. I ain't born 80s, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's uh, it was just kind of like you know it is what it is. Um, so I'm I, I don't have necessarily have an iron shell to all negative comments or comments to speak of me in ill favor. But I just get mad when people get so sensitive towards comments. Now. With that being, or even just not even just sensitive to comments, but actions, TV shows, certain scenes. What's been effing up people a lot really is scenes in certain TV shows that another group might find very offensive. And what I've been, well, I guess, I guess what I was, guess what I was trying to get to today is: is it okay to be sensitive about certain things? The first parallel I can think about this is. <clears throat> Like, say, for example, I'm black. I get offended sometimes when I watch a TV show or particularly animated films. And they'll depict a black, the the character with the black voice, like in the cartoon. He'll be like overly ghetto, overly ratchet, like doing hecka hecka much. And I'm like, well, why are you doing too much? Now, sometimes it's cute. Sometimes it's funny. Like those two talking cars from, uh, from the second Transformers movie with the gold teeth, the twins. 
That it, they was kind of funny. I ain't gonna lie. It was kind of funny. It was kind of annoying a little bit, but that was kind of funny. Like the humor kind of over the humor kind of outweighed the racism in that particular case. Like it was a little bit different. Or even uh, even in the first Transformer movies when they had the robot who could who could like um who could like uh whose first words was was cracking little b words and then he did like a uh, like a beat a beatbox move like a, a, a uh, like a, a little hip hop dance move and you know so it, you know but the humor outweighed the humor outweighed me saying this is obviously a stereotype of like a black person with because he has a black voice he cracks in cracking little b words this is a good spot to kick it you know it's obviously the black robot. Now, there are some people who, even though I said I wasn't, I, I I didn't get sensitive, I didn't get overly in arms and overly upset about those scenes. There are some people who will watch that and be like, "Bro, like, you know, thinking about the history of black people in minstrel shows, thinking about the history. Let me not even use that. Thinking about the history of black people, how they used to display us in cartoons. Even if you go watch the old school Bugs Bunny cartoons." You'll see how they used to. Now I'm gonna tell you them old school Bugs Bunny cartoons, them old school uh, ride, all them old old Looney Tunes cartoons. How they display displayed us in those cartoons. I don't like that ish. I don't like how you're just displaying us as these um, ugly characters with these big big a word lips who who are slow and dumb and have holes in their overalls and, and carry twelve gauge shotguns to shoot them back at the back end of the gun because apparently they didn't know how to load it correctly. Like. I do get low key in my feels about that. I'm not even going front. That that I that that I find that I find very distasteful. But at the same time, you know, there are some people. I remember if you go on YouTube right now, there's a video that's a compilation of all the racist cartoons, the racist moments in cartoons from Looney Tunes. And there were a lot of people in the comments of that same video who were saying, "To me, this is all. Uh, this is uh, this isn't racist at all. To me, this is funny." Now, granted, ninety percent of the people who are making those comments. In my personal opinion, are probably not of Negro descent, or probably not of Japanese descent, or probably not of German descent, and these were most of the, these who were who were, were most of the jokes were geared to. <clears throat> Just it is what it is. My personal opinion, when it comes about when it comes to sensitivity, the thing about jokes is jokes are always made at the expense of somebody. You know what I mean? That like when you say slightly, it's a stupid thing. When you when you, somebody does something stupid and you call them slow. At the end of the day, you're insulting their intelligence. You're basically saying that they came out of their mom came out of their mama's leg with half of a brain to a certain extent. Like you, you're not you're you're calling them stupid, calling them slow, and somebody could take offense to that, like genuine serious offense to that, and it could be understandable. Um, I do feel in my I do feel in my, I do feel in my heart of hearts that it's messed up, but we have to understand that how I look at how I look at all of it. Truthfully, my personal opinion is. I'm never going to stop making the jokes that I make. I'm going to be more aware of my wording. And at the same time, when I do make these jokes, I'm also going to understand that they come with a price. You know, at the end of the day, like I was telling somebody else that I was having a conversation with at the coffee shop, it's like at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want to nowadays. You can say whatever you want to. We've not lost the right for freedom of speech in this country, at least within these borders. But... You just have to be prepared to know that it isn't like back in 1978 or 1972 where you could just talk to your friends or talk to your family and you could just talk in this agreeance group and this group thinking you're not going to have any opposing thought. You have to be prepared for that. 
Every single day I get on this podcast and I record and I tell you guys about my personal thoughts and opinions about pop culture, what's going on. My last conversation that I had about Aisha Curry's comments about not feeling beautiful enough because she didn't have enough guys in her DM letting know that she could get it. A lot of people, even though I feel like I express my opinion on it pretty eloquently, a lot of people were opposed to what I think and let me know in the comments that I was wrong and also that my voice was trash and just letting you know. And that comes with it. That just comes with the game. Like, if you're not prepared to have people who are going to oppose you, who are not, who are not, <coughs> if you are not prepared to be in the same room with people or be in the space with people who are totally on the opposite end of the thinking spectrum to you, towards you, then hey, then you, this ain't the, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't the world for you. Hey, just delete your Twitter, log off of Twitter, log off of Facebook. It is what it is. It's the same thing. Like, it's the same, you know what? It's it, it's it's just hard, man. It's, you got to you got you have to understand that comes with it. I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting. It's interesting conversation, man. You can have about that. I mean, because whenever you speak about joke sensitivity, because that's what's been killing a lot of people. That's always killed Chris Rock. Is he always makes jokes that people feel are too sensitive towards the issue that he's joking about, or there's a black woman getting offended, or there's a black men getting offended. Whether it's gay men getting offended, whether it's 9-11 victims getting offended, everybody always, whenever you make it a joke, whenever you make it a joke, whenever you make it a joke, it always offends somebody. And that's the interesting thing about humor. Humor, I don't know that many jokes that aren't made at the expense of someone or something. Like, even the most classic joke, what's the deal with airline food? That's the oldest joke. What's the deal with airline food? It's so trash. That is insulting the man who slaved four to three hours in the kitchen making that goddamn food, or who slaved four to three hours in the in the in, in the uh, in the uh, the nuclear whatever type of plant processing that food. Like that that's insulting. That's insulting. You know, it is what it that 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 is insulting to somebody. And is anything is the same thing with the clown. I told somebody else this earlier today. The whole first off, I think clowns are creepy. I think clowns are the embodiment of demonic sins, of demonic impersonation. I do not even like clowns. I hated clowns. I thought Ronald McDonald. I thought Ronald McDonald was a pedophile, and I thought it was insulting of America to have this man invite kids and sit them on his lap. I thought it was crazy. But the 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 original idea of a clown for why it should be funny, why it's a, a funny idea is it's supposed to be this creature where it's so ugly that you laugh at it. Has this big round red nose, these fat red lips, which I take offense because my lips are quite, you know, wide and gross as well. Um, has this painted face. Like, you're laughing at it because it has this grotesque appearance. That's where you're laughing at the clown. Um, it's just the game. Jokes are made at the expense of people. And I think a lot of the time, I think I, my personal opinion is it's a fine line between jokes that are made at humor. And also jokes that are made and disdain at the same time also express the disacceptance that we have for this certain group and that certain people. Now, we're going to make a little crossover into a talk about acceptance. There's a sorority, a Negro sorority, a black sorority called Zeta Phi Beta or Zeta Phi Sigma. I forgot the, I forgot the last word. Forgive me if you will. I'm not that educated on black sororities. I am educated on black fraternities. As a young child, as a young man in my teen years, I dreamed of going to HBCU, a historically black college university, and joining a black fraternity, possibly doing a Kappa Alpha Psi or being a Q dog. For those who don't know, that's actually the the the, uh, the call for Omega Sci Fi Qs and you know the Q dogs. They bark, but. Zeta Phi Beta sorority said that 
they made a statement that said they are not upset. They are not ups- accepting trans women, transgender women, men who identify as women, into their sorority. And I have two, I have two opinions about that. I have a lot of opinions about that because I feel like this was a very interesting conversation to have. And when I have this conversation, it's geared towards women more than it is to transgenders. To women, I would ask women, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to identify to be a woman? And the fact that a man can just say they identify as a woman because since the early early age of a child, they felt like they had feminine tendencies. They 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 lean more towards wearing dresses. They feel like they were more lean more towards feminine activities. They feel like their hormones. They feel like in their brain that they more they were more of a woman. Do you feel like that is enough cachet for them to see that they are what a woman is? I bring that up because me being of blackness and being African American, I feel a certain type of way if I see a white guy who even if he grew up in the most he grew up in the most percentagely high black populated area in the country, he says that he feels like he's black. He says he feels like he's of Negro descent. I would feel a certain type of way towards somebody who says that just off of that because I feel like you just put it just like this. You just not necessarily the growing up, but the people who try to like act black and wear the clothing, wear all the Sean John that they could. Sean John's out of style. That's a bad example. Wear all the true religion, sag they true religion jeans as much as possible. Talk say N word, N word this, it got that, a this and that. Try to get every single um freaking uh twenty one no every twenty one savage song by heart and say that they feel more black than white. I feel a certain type of way when I see those people because I feel like to me. Being African-American, not being African, not being Jamaican, not being Pan-Africanist, being African-American is something that's deeper than just you putting on a pair of uh, two size, too small, or too big, uh, true religion jeans, a fitted cap, and quote 21 Savage songs at the club. Like, I feel like it's something more deep than that. I feel like it's something more profound than that. It's something more profound that's in your blood, it's in your genes, it's in your connection, it's in your, it's in your soul. Maybe that's me being more, maybe that's me being more spiritual. Maybe that's me being too profound. I feel like there's something more deep than that. And I've always wondered, do women feel that type of way when it comes to transgender men or transgender women? Do they feel like these men are just trying that? And if these men are trying to, do you guys ever feel like that? Do you guys ever feel like the idea, concept that women, that transgender, that, that men who identify as women, the idea they have what it is to be a woman, do you ever feel like it is screwed or do you feel like it's arid and I wonder why why women aren't as sensitive to that as men as as I guess like races are to that. Um with the Zeta Phi Beta sorority, how they're not accepting transgender women or what men who identify as women. I understand that completely. I'm going to get killed in the comments for that. And I kind of I'm going to say I agree on this and because I think for them, for them being a black female sorority, a sorority for black women, I think they want people in that sorority who understand what it is like to be a black woman, what it is to be a strong black woman. And not to say that they specify in only accepting black women, because I think there's white women in there. I know if you go to Cap Alpha Psi, and that has nothing to do with Zeta Five, but they have white members. They had this one famous white boy. You know, Kappa Alpha size is like this famous little shimmy shimmy shake with their shoulders. And that's always been a famous thing, like a staple of theirs. And 
I think that they have they have a few white they have one white boy in there who's really famous for doing it. He's always famous for doing it because he has like the cleanest little shimmy. He's a white guy with it. But I bring this up because it's like I think the idea is they want people who understand what it's truly like to be a woman, truly like to be a black woman. That's that would be my if that if that if they're just saying it because of that, then I agree with them. But if they're just saying that because they don't understand what transgenders are, or they just hate them. I don't, like I, I'm gonna tell you something right now. My personal opinion about trans people. I don't care. I think it's perfectly fine to say that you identify as a woman. I think it's perfectly fine for you to be a woman and say you identify as a man. I think it's perfectly okay. But I do wonder why women aren't as sensitive to that as black people are when it comes to, to you know, identifying as a race. Now, granted, identifying as a gender versus identifying as a race is two totally different things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I, I just want people to tell me, like, where do we set the standard at? Where do we set the, where do we set the border at? Like, where do we, where do we draw the line at? Is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, what, where do we draw the line? Where do we say, you know what? This is enough. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to grab, wrap my head around. Um, and it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point to be made. Like, I feel like, how can I say this? How can I say this correctly? How can I say this? How can I say this correctly and say this with actual success? Like, I don't know, like it's identity politics are weird because, like I said, I have no I have no issue with a man who identifies as a woman. Or I have an issue with a woman who identifies as a man. But we need we do need to have these conversations because see the thing about the Zeta Five the Beta Zeta Five Beta the reason why that was so interesting to me is because a lot of the times when you have these arguments when you have these outwards when you have these outrages over a certain club a certain group or a certain building or a certain society portion of society not letting somebody in because of what they identify as, because of their sexuality, because of their race. It's usually like white people. Just keep it on. It's usually a white guy. Usually some white guy named Bill who's like the owner of the uh, uh, Torrance Pines Golf Club Association. This is very interesting because Zeta Phi Sigma, Zeta Phi Beta, Zeta Phi Sigma, whatever it's called, this is a minority. This is for black women. You can't based on sexuality because they have gay women in Zeta Phi Beta. They don't. They don't. They don't have any issue with gay women. They have gay women in there. So, you know what I mean? Like it's not. It's it is. A, it's a really interesting conversation to have with them when you ask how they came to this conclusion that we not accepting transgenders in here. You know, and I don't know. You know, it's it's inter- It's interesting. That's why I want to see how this plays out. This story broke two and a half weeks ago, and this is nothing. This ain't nothing like really really new. But I've talked about it because it really kind of vexed me, you know. It's it's at that point we have to have these conversations about you know the problem nowadays is it's too much outcry on both sides. I see black people being too sensitive about certain things, and I see white people not being sensitive enough. You know, I had a conversation with this guy, I'm not gonna say where, at one of the places of my employment, and we had a conversation about just race, and he you know, we were talking about um about slavery. And he, you know, I said the thing about slavery is I said, because we were talking about, you know, he said, he's a white guy. He's like, you know, thing about slavery, he said, slave, we always pin slavery on white people. But slave, I said, well, slavery, I told him, well, slavery has existed since the beginning of time. He said, but ju- I said, but just the transatlantic slave trade took it to a totally different level. And then he said, well, even that's blown out of proportion because in other places, it's happened like that, too. Now, my response to him was. No, it's not blown out of proportion. It's not blown out of proportion. It's blown within proportion. They dehumanized us, categorized us as beasts. We had to prove that we were human before we could even prove that we deserve not to be slaves. 
it is it, it we, we we are taking it we are we have a, the right to be outraged about it it's just a question of do we blame that race do we blame those groups of people or do we blame humans as a whole my personal idea is we blame humans as a whole because as humans whenever we see as humans just creatures in general whenever we see something is not as equal as what we to what we are it's a reason for us not to treat it like equals you know a lot of times like even like part of the reason you, do you know why you have black history you know why black history month was created you know why black history day was created black history week let me just start that black history week was created because the guy said and his was his idea he wanted that week to exist and later on it became a month but he wanted that week to exist to honor all the contributions to the united states of america be it technological, be it historical, be it governmental. He wanted to honor all the contributions to this country by African-Americans until African-American history became integrated with American history. The idea in that as a whole was to prove that we're equal, we're the same. We kept the thing I don't like. The, the, I felt like all of the ninth of the all of the 20th century with black movement was trying to was spent trying to prove to white people that we're the same as you and that's one thing that i kind of when i look back on the civil rights movement and all of that you know i, I, I it did it did a lot for me it did a lot for our families it did a lot for our, to allow us to move but i don't like that we had to spend the greater half the greater half of the century proving to people even up into the seventies, even up into the eighties, that we are on the same level as you. Like it, it, we're, we're 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 just like you are, just to prove that we deserve to exist, just to presume, pre, just to prove that we deserve to vote, be able to vote, just to prove that we deserve to go to schools and get good education, just to, just to prove that we can, we should be able to. Like it's sad that that's 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 sad to me. That that's really sad to me, you know, and. I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's, you know, even, even with Martin Luther King, when you think back to Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King, and I, I love Martin Luther King. He should be immortalized in history. This man is looked at as one of the most, I don't know what four or five syllable word I can come into my head right now to describe him, but he's idealized and worshiped as one of the greatest leaders and political leaders of all time. And all because his message in, in, in a short was this, his old, his old career. We are equal and we should be treated the same as you guys are. That's it. That just that simple idea, that simple concept made him a revolutionary for change in America. One of the most base. That felt, when you look back into human history, just really think about how much shit that had to go down just for us to be able to say just to get that, just to get people to realize. See, right nowadays, thank God we live in a day and age where in modern today, in the modern day society, the general perceived opinion is that black people are are equal to white people. It, it, that's a general opinion right now. Let's appreciate that. If I had an SFFX sound effect, let's do the sound clap thing. Let's appreciate that. But it's crazy to think we live in a day and age where it wasn't seen like that. There was a time where it was not like that, and it was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. You know, so, so, you know, it it is what it is, man. I um. Like I said, I pray for I pray for everybody. I pray for you know. I pray. I don't know. I want you guys to let me know what do you think. What are your opinions about that? What are your opinions about what I said overall? Um, moving on past that, on a lighter note, on a more childhood topic, I do not know how many of you guys out there were fans of of of, of Pokemon growing up. 
I do not know how many of you guys out there collected Pokemon cards, watch the Pokemon game, have Pokemon red, blue, silver, gold, asphalt, whatever colors they have now nowadays. But I am. I was, and I still am. So it was natural of me to spend eight seventy six to go to the theater today to watch um, Detective Pikachu. Uh, and I was going to review it right now and let you guys know what I think. So, my review of Detective Pikachu, it was an amazing movie. Let me just say this. And I'm going to say this. First thing, the design, the animation, the illustration of the characters, of the Pokemon themselves, the Pokemon creatures, how they brought them to life, was great. They did an amazing job with that. Amazing job with that. Outstanding. Far better than that ghetto uh, uh, Section 8 uh, Sonic movie that I trailer I saw last week. That was some BS. They need to, whoever designed it, they need, they need them and their children's butt whoop for that. That was that was a sack of BS. I'm going to do that right now. Um, I love the character design. I love the landscape design. I love how they design the city. I, I just loved how, the, how they brought the Pokemon to life. I loved even how they have the Pokemon affect the world and how you can actually see them affect. And I loved how... I loved how they captured the personalities of these characters and of the of the Pokemon themselves. Like you see how the Snubble, how the Snubble has an attitude, had an attitude and is grumpy. They how they capture the attitude with it. Or even the Lickitung, how you capture how weird and kind of awkward the Lickitung is in certain situations. Like I I love that. This film also. Sorry, I'm eating a minute. <laughs> This film also made me realize how much of a talented actor that Ryan Reynolds is. Justice Smith, shout out to Justice Smith. He did a good job. He did a good job. He did an okay job. You know, he did a good in his role. But I got to also add that if I was not a child, this film by itself is a great film if you're a child. If you're under the age of nine or eight, and I realize this now, there's a lot of films that when I was a kid, I just loved and I enjoyed. I would just curl in my mom's lap and watch for hours on end that when I watch now as an adult, it's hard for me to get because it's, it's not so complex and it's not so amazing. I'm not as amazed by the swirling characters and talking fish and dogs and cats as I would be when I was a kid. So without Ryan Reynolds in this film, this film is way less digestible, digestible for me. But as soon as Ryan, as soon as I heard Ryan Reynolds' voice come from that little cute Pokemon, the or the electric mouse that it is called in the in the Pokedex, it just gave the film a totally different dynamic, a, a totally different a, another pair pair of legs that made it more digestible. I heard nobody in the theater laughing until he came on. Like it was just like we really under we really underestimate how funny. How entertaining and how talented Ryan Reynolds is. Like I honestly think he's one of the greatest actors of all time. And I think about that with multiple films I've seen him in, like Green Lantern. I think Green Lantern was the best film in the DC Comics uni- uh, film universe so far. Marvel Cinematic Universe, how he played, no, not that's not MCU, but even how he played Deadpool. Even in the Deadpool and the X-Men or Wolverine Legends film, he has a different, his his humor, his, just, his improv, it's just, he's so funny. In Deadpool, regular Deadpool, he's funny. Even in, uh, it just, when you hear his voice come on screen, he just adds a different dynamic. He makes the, Ryan Reynolds has a way of his acting has a way and even this is his voice acting he has a way of just making a film easy to digest just way more easier to digest and I think 
they did an amazing job. I think it was Legendary Films. They did an amazing job. Warner Brothers knows Warner Brothers and Legendary. They did an amazing job of casting Ryan Reynolds. That was amazing. I, and honestly, I I want to see Ryan Reynolds in more stuff. I walked out that theater with the with the thought that I want to see Ryan Reynolds in more things. Like he's just so unappreciated when it comes to acting. I think my top favorite actors right now, I can say, are Ryan Reynolds, Johnny Depp. Um, last two I can't think of, but Johnny Depp and Ryan Reynolds, just because I just I love. He just he just he just did an amazing job, bro. I, I, I'm hanging from his I'm hanging from his sack right now. Like he did an amazing job. It brought back a lot of childhood memories. Um, this was a good film, man. So shout out to him. Shout out to they just it just was a good film overall. Um, but like I'll say, I'm gonna say the same thing. That film would not be digestible had it not been for the presence of Ryan Reynolds. If I'd have been watching that without Ryan Reynolds in it, I probably would have like fell asleep, honestly. And there's no knock to Justice Smith. You know, some people, there's no knock to Justice Smith because I think he's a good actor. Like, he acted his role good. It's just like, it just wasn't interesting enough to hold my attention without Ryan's presence. So, it's, so it is something to be said about that, you know. Some people have some people have the gift to be able to carry a whole film, but carry a whole show on their shoulders. It's like even like with Steve Urkel and Family Guy and Family Matters. Steve Urkel, after his appearance, carried that show for three to four seasons mostly on his back because his humor just made it so much more digestible. It just, it, was just, it just was a dope film. So, dope TV show. So, anyway, with that being said, I have to really record these voiceovers right now because people are just blowing up my line right now. But uh, shout out to everybody listening to me live. Shout out to everybody who's a part of the family. Much love. Peace and chicken grease. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the family. I shall listen to you another time. I mean, we should listen to you another time. This has been the Greatest Voice Podcast. Thank you for being a part of the family. Stay juicy.